My name is Brian Flanagan. I'm a real estate agent in Dubai, and this is Dubai Real Estate Playbook. Welcome back to episode four of the Dubai Real Estate Playbook. In this week's episode, I'll be going through some tips for your first month in real estate in Dubai. These will be some tips just based off my own experiences and some of the lessons that I learned that I definitely think would be important for people to understand, or even tips for people who have been in the industry for a while now. Um, I do think these things are valuable um, to be considered and to be conscious about. So just before we get into the thick of it, this is episode four. So this is actually the first episode that I've recorded after the announcement of the podcast. The last three episodes were pre-recorded before I decided to take the leap and publish the podcast. So I just want to say a special thanks to anybody who has tuned in, anybody who has clicked that play button, anybody who has followed me on Instagram. I really do appreciate all the feedback. Um, and I really do hope that this can be of value, that somebody has taken something from this and used it in their own life because that's what it's about at the end of the day. So yeah, back to the episode. So number one, I think this is really important, is just learning the fundamentals. Now this seems just, you know, absolutely basic. That is just somewhat obvious, but it really is important to learn down the specific, basic, fundamentals, good habits early, you know, pick your area, learn how to do the job, and then just keep doing it. Just learn the basics of what needs to be done every single day, day in, day out, and just keep nailing those down. Because your first few weeks will be a massive, massive learning curve. Like you're brand new in in an industry if you have never had real estate experience. You're brand new in a new country if you've never had time in Dubai. So it's really, really important to realize that there is a huge learning curve. Uh, that can be really overwhelming to begin with. You know, I know for me anyways, it was extremely overwhelming. After my first day, um, I almost had that bit of self-doubt. But just going back to the basics, you know, what can I control is what I do every day. So just learn what the basics are. Learn that, you know, some some things will produce a higher amount of output than others and just focus on those things. And after you've learned those fundamentals, you know, then you can start bringing in outside of the box thinking. You can start implementing new ideas. You can do things differently. But learn the fundamentals first. That is just ground one, just what you need to do on your first day. And tip number two is you need to track the little things. Your measure of success as a new person in the industry is gonna be completely different from people who've been in the industry for a few months. And you can't compare your day zero to do to their day 100 because you know, you'll just feel that you are nobody and you've got such a massive mountain to climb. So just that is really important. Just track the little things. Um, just track your performance based of the goals that you've set yourself. Like I know for me, I was looking back at my journal entries from the first week and I was tracking things that seem 
so unimportant at the moment. You know, I was tracking how many prospect listings I had. So how many owners, you know, answered the call and said that their property could be available in the next few months. I was tracking how many I had done each day. And that seems so unimportant now, but looking back then to me at that stage, it was it was really important. It was tracking the small things, tracking my calls, knowing which games I can compete in, in a sense of, you know, I can compete against other people in terms of calls. I can compete against other people in terms of prospect listings. I can compete against other people for live listings. I don't, I wasn't thinking about closing deals. I wasn't thinking about, you know, the amount of commission earned. I was just understanding that these are the things that I can control. I don't know anything yet. So let me just focus and track the little things. Number three is you, you need to focus on your health and well-being. And I feel like, you know, this almost sounds like a broken record. Everybody says, you know, it's important to have good um, physical health and well-being. It seems like it's it's everywhere these days, but it really is fundamentally important. You know, I was listening to a, another Dubai real estate podcast a few weeks ago, and they were saying, oh, fuck going to the gym. I hate going to the gym. Um, I hate exercise and I'm not doing it. And then they wonder why uh, the reasons as to why they can't perform. It's like everybody, like nobody enjoys doing those hard things. Nobody enjoys, you know, going for a 5K run or spending an hour in the gym every single day for five days a week. But it's your ability to do those hard things. And focusing on your health and well-being has been extremely important for me. You know, not sacrificing my physical health to justify the amount of work that I'm putting in. And in certain periods, of course I did. Like I remember at the start, I completely sacrificed my physical health, going to the gym, you know, staying out active. And as a result, I found it massively impacting my day to day. You know, even the importance of sleep, like I feel like this is finally becoming a thing where people accept how important sleep is. But there was a period, I believe, back in back in March, it would have been where I was getting really poor sleep for it could have been two to three weeks. And as a result, I found it really detrimental to how I was performing on a day to day basis. You know, when I can get up early and get into the gym before work, it just means that, you know, if the whole day goes to shit, at least that one thing went right, that one thing I had control of. I did something hard during that day. And it's hard to see the evidence of that and how exactly it correlates. But I've just found, you know, prioritizing getting to the gym in the morning, prioritizing doing some of the things that make me me is vital. It really is vital. It's just it's just another way to incorporate um to boost your your performance. And number four is embrace the fact that you're an underdog. You know, when you join a new company, when you move to a new country, nobody knows you, nobody respects you, nobody trusts you. And you can't have the victim mentality of that. You have to embrace it completely. And there's a massive benefit to being an underdog. Like nobody will see you coming. Like nobody has any high expectations. And as a result, you have absolutely nothing to lose. 
you have nothing to lose. The majority of the time, people don't even know you. They don't know what to expect. So just break those expectations. You know, do the things that you need to do every single day. And um, for me personally, I found in my last sales job and in this job, the only way you can get people to know you is by performing well in work, is by putting in the long hours. You know, you can be one of those people who go around the office and do all that small talk, introduce yourself, blah, blah, blah. Or you could be the person that just puts their head down, is the first in, is the last out, is always on top of the boards for any performance measure that's tracked, always working hard, focus, deep focus work. And pretty quickly, it's kind of like, oh, fuck, who is this guy? Because they're going to have to find out who you are because you could potentially be a threat to them. But exactly as I said, you know, when you're an underdog, nobody will see you coming. You have a really low bar and you need to use that in your favor because somebody who's been in the industry for six to 12 months, they're top of the leaderboards, they're closing the most, like they have a massive target on their back. They have everything to lose. As a new person, you have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. Be the person who people think sleep in the office because you're the first in, you're the last out. And pretty, pretty quickly, people just respect that. I mean, everybody respects that hard work, that person who just grinds it out, that outworks and out sacrifices everybody else. And you have to be that person. And I genuinely think that I used to not be that kind of person. You know, deep down, I think if I was left to my own devices, I would just be extremely lazy, you know, not do anything. But, and people use that as a crutch, you know, they're like, oh, I could never do that. You know, I could never work 60, 70 hour weeks or whatever. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to make those sacrifices, but they can, like everybody can work those, those hours. They're just justifying it so that when they don't do it, they can point to that as evidence as to why they did not do it. You know, I think everybody has the capability to do that, is the capability to work that so much harder, you know, perform to a really high level. That is within everybody's capabilities. Like you don't, you do not have to be talented to do this job well. You don't. As I said last week, it's just a numbers game. And using those concepts, like I spoke about, just leveraging time in your favor and working that much harder will just, you'll reap the rewards from that. Number five, number five is choosing where you sit in the office and who you speak to. So only recently I came across this study, I believe it's from Kellogg School of Management in the US, um, Minor and Hossman in 2017 wrote this article about where you sit and its correlation with your performance. And they found that sitting within a 25 foot radius of high performers boosted coworkers performance by 15%, which is crazy because you would never have correlated where you sit in the office with your performance at the end of the day. So they found that if you sit beside people who are performing to a high level, automatically your performance is elevated. 
that could be from listening what to, what they have to say, feeling like that the bar is so much higher that you have to work that much more harder. Um, it could be a number of factors. But they also found, which I think is, it's almost more important, is that being beside an underperformer can decrease your performance by up to 30%. So without you knowing it, you could be decreasing your performance just by the people that you're sitting beside. You know, you could learn their habits, their bad habits. You feel like that, you know, it's really easy to look like you're performing better than them, but ultimately decreasing your actual performance. So I think that's really, really interesting. Like that is such an interesting study because you wouldn't have factored in those variables. And I know in some cases you might not be able to choose where you sit or who you sit beside. But I think given the chance, you should be able to take it. You know, you could ask, can you be moved to this area, to that area of the office? You know, even staying later so you can be in those areas where the group of high performing people are. I think that's really, really important. And having conversations with those people, identify the high performers, having conversations, understanding what they did, how they done it differently, um, and only speak to do those top performers because if you speak to people who have not closed in six months, if you ha who have had a really, really tough time, and it sounds harsh, don't get me wrong, it does sound harsh, but don't let other people's negative experiences influence your perceptions of how well you would do. And I was so guilty of this, like I spoke about this. I was so, so guilty of this. I I heard so many bad stories from so many sources of how they did. And I let that influence the way that I perceived how well I was going to do. I was flicking through my journal and I was just looking back on my very first day. My one of my one of my notes was, oh my God, there is so much to do. That just shows the amount of, you know, how I felt like I was so in over my head. I doubted myself through other journal entries. You could see that I was completely doubting myself, but I just kept focusing on the little things. And I had those conversations with people who were high performers. I do think I was automatically put into a seating situation that made it that I was beside high performers and I did get lucky in that regard. Um, but it's important to understand that because you can leverage that into your favor. And then finally, I think acknowledge the fact that you don't know anything. You know, you have to be, you have to let your ego take a hit and understand that, you know, I don't know anything. I do not know a thing and I have so much to learn. So you need to focus on learning those things. Like each conversation you have on the, on the phone, each viewing you might do, each text you send on WhatsApp, that has to be used as a learning curve. You know, what it is that is perceived well, what's not perceived well, what is your style, what is your selling style, because there's so many little sales in between each of the, the larger process. You know, you have to sell yourself, you have to sell the company, you have to sell the customer experience and the customer journey. So those are really small things that really, if you focus down on um, and that you realize that you have to learn from those experiences, that those can be leveraged 
into your favor further down the line. So you have to keep consistently learning, realize that you don't know anything and that you have to be a complete sponge of knowledge and just take in every source of information possible. Like I didn't, I didn't know a thing. Like I did not know a thing. No prior real estate experience, no prior experience in Dubai, no clue of what to expect. The only thing I had was a psychology degree and four months in a sales job. That was it. And this showed, like this showed. <laughs> like I remember um, after, it was in my third week that I closed my first deal. But I remember, you know, doing the viewing or whatever. And then after, it was through a relocation agent, but after the relocation agent made the offer on the apartment, I was like, oh fuck, like what do I do now? Like, I did not expect to get this far. Like, what do I do now? And I speak trying to understand it from my Lisa managers. Like, I did not account for this. Like, what do I do? So I remember, you know, rustling to try and get a contract together, trying to agree on the contract from both sides. And it was so overwhelming because I was just learning on my feet. And that works for me. Like, just learning on my feet has been really, really beneficial for me. But I just didn't know a thing. And it, it came so much sooner than expected for me. And that showed throughout the deal. Like that showed, like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling this story. But anyways, when I was going to sign the contract for the tenant, um, she had somebody from the bank there because she had just moved to Dubai. So she had to withdraw some cash. And that's how she was going to pay the deposit because she was doing the rental payment by bank transfer. So I went and drove to the marina at about nine o'clock at night to get this contract signed and the deposit paid. Went up to whatever floor she was on, was trying to rehearse what I was going to say in my head because I didn't know what I was doing, like whatsoever. And went into, into her apartment, met the bank guy. She gave me over the few thousand um, in cash. And bear in mind, this is the first time I ever physically held dirhams. Like up until now, I was just dealing with my revolutor, my my Irish bank. So this is the first time I'd been in contact with dirhams. So she handed me this stack of money just for the deposit and I looked at it and it was all face up. And it was I was looking at this money for the first time and it was in Arabic. And I remember leaving the office and my Lisa manager was saying, Brian, make sure you count it, make sure it's all there. And then I was sitting there being like, was he winding me up? How am I supposed to count this when this is in Arabic? Is this some sort of a sick joke? So I was so nervous that the notes were sitting there in Arabic. So I just started pretending to count it. And the bank man probably thought, this guy does not know how to read Arabic. Like, what is going on? So I just pretended to count this quantity of cash, just flicking through the notes, being like, yep, yeah, just pretending like I was counting and just stacked it up. And I was like, yeah, it's all there. That's great. That's that's all there. Signed the contract, whatever. And then was walking to my car and I sent a voice note to my manager and I was like, are you taking the piss? Is this some sort of a sick joke? I can't believe, like, 
it's really easy for me to count the money when it's in Arabic. And I was going through this last night just in my head, just about my first deal. And I pulled up the voice notes from when I had said this to him. Um, and I'm, I, I'll, I'll include it now. I'll include it now because it's hilarious. Uh, got that sign, gave her the receipt and got the cash. Um, funny thing about you asking me to count it when it's in fucking Arabic and I couldn't tell what was what. I just counted the actual notes. Like, there was a bank man there and he was the one that gave it to me. But, yeah, I don't know, it's in Arabic. How am I supposed to count it? Oh, wait, never mind. I didn't realise the English is on the other side. That's helpful. Uh, it's all there. So, yeah, there's first-hand proof or evidence that I did not know what I was doing. I didn't realize that the English was on the other side and I was just so panicked at this being my first deal and I built it up so much in my head that I didn't realize that there was English on the other side because it was the first time that I touched the notes and I only realized when I got into the car that there was English on the other side and oh my god like that is just some just one of those stories i just look back and i was like i oh, all right yeah like i really did not know like i'm able to use that as a point of reference for how far I, I i have been able to come so yeah that was just a little kind of tangent about that but just getting back to the idea that you know you won't know anything it will be overwhelming you realize that there is a massive amount of knowledge that you're going to have to attain in a short period of time and that would be fine, you know, if you're getting paid a wage, like you would just spend, you know, all these hours just getting paid to learn all the information. But you're not, you're not getting paid. And you have to learn all this stuff as quickly as possible because the faster you learn all this information, the quicker you can get out there and actually start practicing some of it. So I think that's really important. And there was no information out there for me to learn. So I think that this is what this podcast is trying to provide some information so people don't be so overwhelmed like i was don't make such a massive fuck up as in realizing that there's an english side and an arabic side of the the notes here so if for some reason somebody ever comes into that situation just make sure to flip it around because the english is on the other side but yeah i think that's exactly what i kind of want to you know explain that are trying to provide to people is that bit of information um, and each episode I hope to I hope to bring in some sort of information or something that somebody didn't realize and by all means if you're in the real estate market in Dubai if you've got any questions anything that I can help you with and um, just make sure to drop me a message on Instagram you can drop me a WhatsApp I've got my WhatsApp number there and we can even set up a call or a chat or whatever it is if you're struggling um, and you know you need to know some more information I would be very glad to help so those are the six tips that I would recommend to somebody who is joining real estate or deciding to join real estate in Dubai um, some of those concepts or are, are, are tips can be incorporated if you're not new um, and if you've just started, you know, you can use some of those things to work in your favor. So, yeah, that is episode four of the Dubai Real Estate Playbook. Again, a massive thanks to anybody who follows the page, follows the Spotify and is clicking that play button. 
I just want to ask if anybody has listened this far, please make sure to rate and review the podcast. Um, it helps so much more than you realize. So yeah, this has been episode four of the Dubai Real Estate Playbook and I'll see you in the next one.